I am so glad that we have a guest today <laughs> that is going to be able to see Mm-mm. like this. So, so this is our first ever video call for the podcast. So I'm I'm going to have somebody that can also see what I put up with. Well, first of all, somebody's also going to see the ridiculousness that I put up with. So I feel like I'm I feel like somebody's here got my back. Oh my god! You think you're going to be validated? Yeah, I think no. I think Team Joe has got two. No, on, on this side today. First of all, British Kevin is always <laughs> on my side. You got nothing. Off the elevator, y'all is international. What? At the moment, <laughs> we we have got our good friend Kevin Rose from the UK on the line. What's going on, Kevin? Oh, hi, yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. So, so I met Kevin through uh, the Forty Days of Deliverance program. When did we start that? In January of this year? Jan? No, Jan- not January this year. 3rd. Yeah, he. Yeah, Ke- January. Yeah, Kevin was on the second one. He he didn't do the first one, so the second one started. In I feel January. like we I feel like we've known longer than that. Well, I don't know. Did did yeah. you was you listening to Off the Elevator before? Uh, I met you on the. Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've listened, okay. Yeah, I've always listened to Off the Elevator. Yeah, so we we may have contacted before then. I right. Have sent you a message or something. Yeah. Okay, so so Jesse would have talked to you on the on the Instagram or something. So so I met Kevin through the Forty Days of Deliverance program. <laughs> did you say the Instagram? <laughs> yeah, the Instagram. <laughs> and uh, Jesse, you know, met him through Instagram. Possibly we maybe really don't we. Know. I don't remember. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it was. It's been a while. Right. And we've messaged a few times back and forth, and and I learned that Kevin, uh, some parts of his story, while in the uh, 40 Days of Deliverance, and then also on the John Gardena Classroom podcast, mm-hmm. I heard some more of it. So me and Jesse, I think Jesse was actually the one that said we ought to have, we call him British Kevin, uh, <laughs> on the podcast, and we said, yeah, and we, we finally was able to set it up, so... We're glad to have you, Kevin. Well, yeah, look, I've, I've followed them um, off the elevator from right from the beginning, so it's a it's a privilege and an honor to be involved. So thank you for the well, well, critique us real fast. That's... Would you not agree that Jesse is just mm. absolutely ridiculous, and it's hard to make heads well, or tail of what she's saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I did wonder about Kevin from China last week. I must admit. <laughs> So <laughs> through through me last week, really. My bad. So so tell the people, Kevin. You know where where actually you are from. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Whatever you want to share about your about your personal life. What's going on right now? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'm 55 years old. Um, I live in a small a small rural village, I suppose, called Cholock, uh, which is about 40 miles southeast of London in the UK. So I'm not far from London, only about an hour. Um, but, you know, privileged to live in the, in the countryside. Um, it's just me and my wife, Sharon, who's my rock. Um, and we've been together for 20 plus years now. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, life's really good. Um, yeah, I've got no children. I've been not been blessed with children. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a quick snapshot, you know, from a from a business perspective. Um, you <laughs> so, know, so I what? Work. I have a question. Do you have any dogs? 
Oh yeah, I love, love dogs. <laughs> dogs have always been a, a big part of my family. Yeah, so um, currently got a, a little uh, a little cockapoo called Bonnie. Um, she's about ten now. She's still as, as crazy as anything. But yeah, I've always had dogs. I was brought up with dogs in the family, and uh, yeah, we've always had dogs around. So yeah, I'm a big dog lover. Nice. Shoot, yeah. So I learned that um, Kevin. Uh, through the 40 days program chatting back and forth and just hearing him talk that that uh you've you've had uh an issue with alcohol in the past in the past you uh you want to sort of break break it down like i mean just explain the issue that you felt you had you know and yeah. you can start yeah, when it started you can start from the beginning if you'd like I, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. You never really know that you have an issue until and, until you do stop drinking. I mm. think you know that's one thing I've learned. I think you know from 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 my perspective, you know, I started drinking at a very early age. You know, I think I remember I remember my 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 dad taking me to you know a local pub when I was probably about fourteen, I think, and you know I think I had my first drink at that age. Um, and yeah, you know, I, once I got to 16, 17, then, you know, as most young people, then, yeah, I, I did start drinking. It's a part of the culture in the UK. And uh, yeah, um, I think with, you know, as you guys know me a little bit, and I think, uh, you know, I, I am a, a bit of a uh, an all-in type character. And, you know, I tend to, you know, I tend to do things and I tend to go all in. And, I'll, you know, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it every day and I'll, I'll you know I've, every aspect of my life really I've, I've always been that way up until recently I think um, so yeah drink really become quite a, a, a regular part of my life you know uh, throughout my 20s you know that's when I got my first my own my own property and, and uh, you know I wasn't I wasn't within any sort of you know relationships then i didn't meet you know sharon until i was in my 30s so so from 20 to 30 i was sort of like living the single life and mm -hmm. uh, and yeah i did live a good <laughs> single life during right. them 10 years you know lots of drinking lots of you know spending lots of money got myself into yeah into you know poor shape financially mm -hmm. and uh, and I think you know during that time as well, I was working uh, a lot of nights, and I think, I think that was potentially one of the start of my issues. Really, you know, even that early on, when I look back now, you know, uh, I think you know, I, you know, like I say, I did like a drink, and I've never been one to drink to excess, but I'll drink regularly, and I'll drink every day. Um, and when I, when I, even when I started working nights, you know, I'd work, I'd still drink every day working nights. And obviously you can't drink before you go to work. So what you're doing, you're going to drink when you come home from work. So mm -hmm. you're coming home at six o'clock in the morning and mm -hmm. yeah, you're having a beer before you go to bed because it's the normal thing to do. You yeah. come home after work, whether you're finishing a night shift or a day shift and you have a beer. So I think I was developing, you know, bad habits, you know, even back in them days, you know. I, I think um, for me, you know, when I, when I work night shift, um, I think one thing that helped ramp up my drinking was so I would come home and on my on my first day off, I would wake up at one or two o'clock in the morning. So by two thirty, you know, I'd have a beer in my hand. 
So it was essentially that I was having a beer for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then I would drink all, you know, my day off, I would drink. And then I was able to stay up all night. So I would drink that entire time until I went back to bed the next morning. And, and when my schedule was, I'm up at night and my family was asleep, then I was alone. What better way to drink mm-hmm. than your family's asleep? I might as well drink. Ain't nobody around me. You know what I mean? So that I definitely yeah. say that ramped it up for mm-hmm. me. So what what did you do for work during that time? I was I was working in warehousing. I was you know so I was working within the warehouse environment. Yeah. yeah. And do the people you hang out with like drink regular? I guess one thing I I want to try to understand is how much of a cultural difference there is, right? So, what's the legal drinking age in the UK? 18. 18. So it's it's a yeah. little bit lower than it is here. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it the is it com- more common I hear like the things that I've read and and heard because the drinking age is younger that that's kind of the thing to do. Yeah, I suppose there is a lot of Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need a water bottle to just squirt the dogs. Yeah, look, I think uh, there is a, especially in the younger generation, I think the younger generation, yeah, there's, a, there's quite a culture of drinking and mm-hmm. certainly the binge drinking at the weekends. I, I would never class myself as a binge drinker. You know, I'd never binge drink or binge drank, or, you know, I would, but like I say, I would always drink on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly through them, them earlier I think for me personally, you know, I, I, I very, I, I don't like to lose control, so to speak. I'm very, very uncomfortable with losing control when I'm in and around people. So, you know, didn't want to get to the point where I was drunk. And, you know, even, even further on down the line, you know, when I, you know, I was drinking more, I'd still quite happily, if it was a night out, I would quite happily be the person who potentially would, would, you know, not drink and I'd drive, or, or I'd only have two or three or whatever. Um, but then when I got home, that's when I take the opportunity mm-hmm. to, you know, to drink. So, but when I'm in and around people, I think it's like you were saying, Corn. You know, when you when you come and then you've got the, the opportunity when you're on your own, what you're going to do? Then you drink. Mm-hmm. And that's that's sort of where that's where sort of like it developed into really over a number of years. But I think it it, it creeps up on you. You know, it's, you know, you don't really realise what's going on. So so, um, so at that time. Did it crep up onto you, and, and you're working the night shift? How many, how many years that is in there? That would you say that you had been uh, consuming alcohol on a regular basis? What are we looking at right there? Because, I mean, you just didn't start at 14, and then you was drinking every day, right? Like, when do you think that actually started, and what 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 point in your you know what you're explaining right now? What's the time frame? Yeah, I think. Well, I, yeah, I, I think I started working in, in that uh, in, in 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 the warehouse in my early twenties. I think twenty two, twenty three, around there, and uh, I worked that night shift for about ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was only when I come off of that night shift and started working days, you know, I managed to, you know, the career then changed, and I got an opportunity to go into management, and and that's where I ended up meeting Sharon because she was working days. Um, and you know that's you know my life. <coughs> excuse me, 
you know, and I've changed around a lot then at that point. You know, thinking about when back at that time, you know, I just thought I'm, I'm, I was living the life. I was living the single life. Mm-hmm. I was going out and doing what every sort of like young man of my age was doing: going right. out, partying, drinking, spending lots of money. Um, and it was in my early, you know, in my early thirties when I got together with Sharon, where you know life changed at that right. point. Right. Um, was that oh. was that when you decided that you? weren't going to continue to drink on a regular basis or did that something is that something that changed when you met sharon or something that changed later on after you guys were together not at all so we're talking 20 years ago and at that point you know i didn't didn't even have an inkling that potentially i you know a dependency maybe on you know alcohol so you know i carried on doing what i did Mm-hmm. You know, well, you know, my career developed. I've done, I've done, I've been fortunate. I've done pretty well. You know, I've, I've, I've managed to, you know, go up the ladder, and I'm in senior management now. Um, but you know, I, I carried on, and that, I, the, the, the drinking just carried on drinking on a pretty much on a daily basis. There weren't many days where I didn't go without a drink, um, and I never ever thought I had an issue or a problem. And I've carried on like that for probably quite happily for nearly the next. 20 years nearly what um up until sorry go on. what 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 was specifically what was you drinking kevin was you drinking beer liquor or and then the, the second part of this question is was there ever any issue running late to work or you know woken up waking up hung over did it did anything ever i mean nothing ever spiked and say man i'm i'm tired of feeling like crap or Man, I'm late because I got I, I stayed up a little too long, you know, drinking. Was there any any anything like that that went yeah. on? Any indicator? It only only really when it got to you know, you know, I've been I've been sober nearly four years now, and it was only probably the last well, I don't know, probably the last three or four years drinking where I I knew that there was an issue there was something you know i was getting to the point where you know you yeah you, you're, you're planning you you're waking up and thinking you know where i'm where am i going to get my drink today mm-hmm. where, where am i where, where are my opportunities going to mm-hmm. be um, yeah we change our we saying, change our goals for that yeah 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 mm-hmm. um and like i say you know i still it's still quite strange for me to talk about because you know i, I honestly well, I never, and this, I never did drink. I still don't think I drank to excess. Well, people would argue that I probably did if they knew it, you know. But I would drink regularly, daily, and some days it may only be, you know, two or three beers, mm-hmm. you know. But then other days it would be, well, okay, well, I need a bit more of a buzz today. So how am I going to get that buzz? So, you know, it's thinking away. So I started to introduce a bit of, you know, scotch and bourbon and, uh, you know, vodka gin to be honest you know it didn't really matter what it was i'd drink most things um and yeah we'd always have a bottle in the house and if there was a bottle in the house then i would always be you know tapping into it so to speak mm-hmm. um, and i'd always be having a few beers with it as well so yeah i think yeah so it, it was growing and it was growing and it got to the point where i'm realizing well you know there's something not quite right here i'm i'm i don't think you ever really you know sit there and openly admit that you're an alcoholic but not at that stage anyway but you're starting to think well okay maybe i've got a bit of an issue here i should 
mm-hmm. you know, slow down. Mm-hmm. Slow down and maybe, you know, try and do things a little bit different, leave off for a little while. And if I had a pound for every time I had that thought that run through my head every morning when you wake up, okay, that's it, I'm not going to have a drink today. Mm-hmm. But next drink's going to be next drink's going to be Friday. And this is on a Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Monday night, you're having a drink. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. I, I can't tell you how yeah. many times I, I I told myself I was only going to drink on Thursday nights and Saturday nights. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I can't even I can't even remember how many times that mm-hmm. I mean that was a normal thing. After about three days of feeling awful, you know, in the morning before headed to work, say so I'm I'm not going to drink until Thursday and Saturday, you know, and like you said, you're right back to having a drink. That evening, mm-hmm. it um. So was was you? I mean, was you still going out to the pub even when you after you met Sharon? Did did um Sharon? Did she no. did she drink or was you staying at home drinking or was some buddies coming over? What's I mean? What's the community like where y'all live? I mean, is it real tight knit and everybody just sort of hangs around or? No, I'm pretty much a stay-at-home drinker, to be quite honest. That's how it was, you know. So, yeah, you know, yeah, we've, uh, yeah, we've got some close family nearby, but, you know, it, you know, <coughs> never been one to, not one, to, it, it, there is quite a culture of, well, it's not so much now, you know, in the UK, but certainly it's, 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 it's but certainly, you know, 10, 20 years ago, then there was a culture of, you know, everyone, you know, Certainly, the guys going down the pub every night and you, you know build them relationships. But that was never, that was never something that I would do. But I was certainly a, you know, stay-at-home drinker. And Sharon, yeah, yeah, she'd have a drink, but Sharon could quite happily not have a drink for you know two, three weeks, right? And then go out. And mm-hmm. So, and don't get me wrong, you know, we had plenty of conversations around my drinking. Um, yeah, uh, but I don't know. It's, you, you, you just, yeah. You just keep getting drawn back into it. It just keeps drawing you back in every right. day. It keeps drawing mm-hmm. you back in. It's the, um, it's the obsession that, of our mi- in our minds. For sure, it's a it's the effect that it has on our brains when we when we uh, use it in excess. Whether that is on a regular basis or whether that is, and I used to always think that right, like before I got sober and just thinking about what someone who had a problem like it will take my my daddy for instance like he was a binge drinker so he would get drunk for days i don't know a week and then be like so sick and he would dry out for a month you know or he would say tell my mommy he's not going to drink and he would drink for two months but when he like drank he was solid drunk for like a week and that was my expectation of what an alcoholic was like right you know um he kept he couldn't hold a job and he couldn't you know he wasn't functional and i was very functional for a very long time until i wasn't but you know i drank every day and it wasn't for me it wasn't until the last few years that it got really to the point where i drank in excess yeah like i say that i mean yeah but like i was drinking much more in the last few years than i did the 10 years before that but i did drink regular like you said kevin i did drink regularly so it's just it's just interesting how that appears differently in people right yeah so 
you said that you you and Sharon did have a some conversations around your drinking and I know when you started talking earlier in the podcast you mentioned twice about spending money what what were those conversations like was it hey you need to check yourself out maybe you're drinking too much or I mean you mentioned the money twice so I know it's crossed your mind is that just something oh man I spent a lot of money on alcohol or was it I mean was it something that come up in the marriage? Hey, look at how much money you're spending on drinking. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah, I think it does come up. Um, I think as as you know, as a as a drinker, as a you know, someone who's you know, as soon as that conversation comes up, you get very defensive very quickly, and you know, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think. Yeah, we, we I don't I don't think we really sort of we never really had sort of like you know out and out blazing sort of like arguments about it. But, right, right. You know, we knew we knew. I think you know Sharon and, and Sharon knew that there was some sort of issue. I think with regards to you know the amount I was drinking and and yeah, obviously it does cost money. You know, so but yeah, like I said, I was doing we was doing all right financially to be quite honest. You know, the work was going well. I was you know getting you know a few promotions and. You know, so we we've done all right um, early on in our relationship. Like I could said I think money, you know, well, it wasn't was an issue. Like I said, you know, from from my twenties in that first ten years when I was on on my own, I was just sort of living the life. I, I I racked up a lot of debt during that time, and yeah, I was I was in financially I was in a lot of trouble when me and Sharon got together. But I don't think we really, yeah. It never really, really comes to a head to be honest, I don't think, with mm-hmm. regards to, you know, drinking. And, and surprisingly, though, when you do stop drinking, I don't think you... Yeah, I think the life was always, you know, let's say, we, I was doing a lot financially, but, you know, you're always, you know, getting to that same point, you know, spending more than your means, really. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just makes it difficult to keep going around in them circles, you know, spending too much money, you know, I don't know, trying to then cover the debt and and you just go around that constant circle and yeah, and now stop drinking, that's surprisingly enough that, that circle's been broken and that don't happen no more. So yeah. Nice. Right. Um so I never really a, come to a I have a question. Sorry. Um you said that your father took you to the pub when you were like fourteen. Is that yeah. like I don't know, like for me when I think of going to a bar because that's what a pub is. I mean, it's like I'm assuming, right? Is it? I mean, it's a bar where people go specifically to drink. Is that something? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Did your did, yeah. did your parents drink? Do you have that problem anywhere in your family where it's it's um, no. it carried on, or it was just like, hey, just something it picked up? No, I think no. It's, it's, you know, we we lived quite close to. You know, we get these. We call them pubs country it's a pub it's a drink got it's got a bar in it and it's you know, obviously a restaurant and food and stuff but um yeah no, no you know back then you know we're talking you know 40 years ago back then there was a a culture of you know you used to always the pubs in the uk back then weren't open all day and stuff like that they was only open from 12 till 2 and then 6 till 11 in the evening you know and even shorter hours on a sunday so you know, yeah, it was it was quite every every local area would have its own pub, and it'd be the sort of like the centre of the community. Um, that's changed a lot now, but um, um, so yeah, 
and it was it was taking me along to I think it was a Boxing Day or a Christmas Day or a Sunday lunch I can't remember but and it, it took me down there for you know to have my first pint you know and meet all of these buddies and that and that's that's where that's where it actually and interestingly enough I think on the you know on the last forty days on you know obviously we get you know we we we, we look up so I come you know try and contact people who haven't been in contact with and I contacted an old friend and buddy who used to drink in that public and I hadn't seen him for 35 years and went and met up with him not that long ago in that same bar and wow. it's barely it's hardly changed uh, you know at all in that time um, so yeah and that's where it all started and interestingly enough that's where I also uh, had my first date with Sharon in that bar as well so really? it's, it's a lot of history and yeah it's a lot yeah. of history in that in that bar, in that pub, there's a lot gone in there, and it was interesting to go in there. It was only a couple of months ago. It's interesting to go back in there, and and literally, yeah, it barely changed at all, and it's still this old country style pub, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. it held a lot of memories. That's awesome. That, that, that mean, is cool. Yeah, I I always associate the places that I that I drank at or whatever, the, especially early on in my my sobriety, to stay away from them. You know what I mean? Like I, it's not that I have bad memories from them. I just, and you know, I think it's pretty mm-hmm. neat that as you're telling that story, you're smiling. You know, you don't have any regrets about that place. Period. You know what I think about when I think of a pub? When <laughs> oh my God, here we go. When I hear Kevin say a pub, <laughs> what? Like I picture this. I picture these green fields on the side, and this dirty, muddy road, and all these. This fog that's just this that's just there, (laughs) and these people coming in and out of this wooden building with a big thick wooden door, laughing it up, and you go in there and they got a big wooden mug that they (laughs) sling the (laughs) throw your beer down to you, and there's two guys over here that you know dressed up in thirty style suits, and they're over there having a debate. The, don't they have like debates in them pubs and Get stuff over it. there in England? I You're think they do. What? Did you just? Is, oh my God! Well, don't they have debates in every bar? I mean, oh, I was going to say, I think they do. Yeah. Yeah, I think they. I think they have like they they'll debates go in there about what? Anything about politics, wars, economics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's like a thing. Or, yeah, or I, used to be, didn't it? I think it's a thing at any bar. You walk into any bar, you're going to hear a bunch of idiots talking no. about ridiculous no, stuff. They're smart over there in the UK. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not sure about that. Every, yeah. Everybody in the bar, on the bar stool, talking about politics yeah. or abortion or, you know, world affairs. Right. Not smart. Not smart. So, so here you are now approaching 50 years old. You know, 50. 55. Wait, right now you are, but I, well, I'm, I'm speaking oh, of sorry, still yeah. still sorry, drinking. Yeah. You're approaching 50 years old. What yeah. take us from from you know air quotes the last couple years of your drinking career, and then when it come down to I'm quitting, or I, or was it I have to quit, or did what was your health like? I mean, what what mm-hmm. what was yeah, pe- what happened? The people around you. I mean, what was what was all that? Because that's a uh, from twenties. I mean, we're talking thirty years, right? Thirty yeah, years yeah. Per, per consistently yeah. drinking every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, there was 
you know, yeah, it had got to the point where I knew that I had to do something differently because I couldn't carry on the way that I was going. I thought, you know, if I carry on doing what I'm doing, then, you know, I, I'm not going to be around for long. Um, so it was um, 2000 and... Uh, sorry, just thinking, I'm not good with dates, but yeah, 2014, I think about eight years ago when, that's when my mum passed away. Um, we was living in Warwick at the time, we're not in this house where we are now because we've moved away. Warwick is up in the Midlands and it's near Birmingham, so we're about two, three hours away from here. Um, but yeah, my mum passed away at that time and, you know, I think that, that had a deep effect on me because, you know, obviously we, we, was, we was a long way away. Um, so I think, I think that, you know, ramped up the drinking a little bit more and, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, it got to the point where I knew, you know, and I was just doing more and more and more to just get that buzz, you know, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, if there was no real set point where I said, this is it, I'm not, you know, I'm not having another drink now from this point onwards, you know, I think there was, a, you know, after my mum died, we moved, we moved back. To Ken, um, job job circumstances changed, and we moved back, and that's when it got moved around 2015, so about a year later. Um, and then it was a couple of years. It was after that where you know when it was coming up towards my 50th birthday that you know my life changed a bit because you know we went, um, my niece got married in Cyprus, and we went to Cyprus and wedding photos, and I was a lot lot bigger guy then as well. You know, you can't do 20, 30 years of drinking and not carry a bit of weight. And, yeah, and I was I was about five stone heavier than what I am now. Um, and I, I hated what I've become, to be quite honest. Um, mm-hmm. When I looked at the pictures and, were, you know, I've got to stop what I'm doing. So there was an element of a lifestyle change at that point, And I tried to start working out more, tried to eat better. and But I carried on drinking because I didn't want to give up drinking because I didn't have a problem. Mm-hmm. Still didn't think I had a problem at that point, but then you know I think in reality I did know that I did have something and I did need to do something about it. Um, and I think that the only trigger that I can ever think of that stopped me drinking was it was I think I've got an abscess in the tooth and it got to it was really painful and uh, <coughs> um, and yeah I, I had to go on antibiotics and I couldn't I couldn't I had to stop drinking because of you know the pain and the antibiotics I was in. If I carried on drinking, they wouldn't work. Uh, but anyway, yeah, and that that was the trigger. That was the trigger, hmm. and I actually went. I, I went a week without a drink, and I was amazed. Mm-hmm. I was amazed, and that was it. Was that it was that that actually said to me because by that point I had lost a bit of weight and I was doing all right, and I, you know things had started to change a little bit in my life, and then and then also I, I proved to myself that hold on a minute, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I, I can do this. I can make a difference. I can stop drinking. And at that point, it's thinking, okay. So I thought, okay, well, so I went the, the week without drinking, and then I, that was in October. And then I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll just carry on. I'll, I'll, I'll take it to the end of the month. And um, so I took it to the end of the month. And then, yeah, it snowballed from there, to be quite honest. Uh, and then obviously, stopping drinking and eating better and going to the gym and just, you know, just changing the whole lifestyle. 
Um, and it, 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 yeah, it was tough. It was very, very difficult. But that was the trigger. And I've never, that was on October the 18th, really, that, that, that last drink four years ago. And I've, I've never gone back since. I've never had another drop since. Wow. But that was the trigger. Yeah. That was the trigger. That That's amazing. And so I, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So yeah, and and no, and it was just I think it was a combination of all the different factors, you know. So you know, mm-hmm. changing my life as well, you know. Yeah, changing my life, you know, getting into you know fitness and running and um, you know lots of different types of stuff, and, and yeah, it put me in a different circle of people as well because I got involved with people down by down at the gym, and you mm-hmm. know. So yeah, it was a, it was it was different conversations I was having. So I think, you know, it, yeah, it was just a whole new lifestyle change. And, and to be honest, you know, the, the pounds fell off me. You know, and like I say, I went from, you know, 16 stone down to 11 stone. And that was within about eight months as well, quickly. Yeah. It wasn't. I mean, it what's a stone? <laughs> I'm That's sorry, the... yeah, you don't do stone. Do <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> that... Uh I'll have to convert it. I don't know. I, can't yeah. I can never remember what it is in kilos and stuff. J- just imagine 16 big rocks. Get up out of here. And then minus <laughs> 16 big rocks. I mean, so you went from 16 stones to what? 11 stone. I'm a, I mean, thank goodness for Google. I mean, what did we do before Google? <laughs> Seriously. So, so so what, I, what I'm what i hearing and, you know, add or take away whatever, Kevin, is... is you, you, your story, you was totally functional. There's a story of drinking every day, but still having functionality very similar to mine, very similar to mine uh, when when I was drinking. And like you said, you're an all-in type person. You there toward the end, you started to know, hey, I got to do something. I'm I'm unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Your mom passes. Your drinking ramps up a little bit. You start working out, trying to lose weight. Do you? And then the antibiotic kick. You're all in. You're gonna. You're gonna make sure your toothache goes away. Your abscess, whatever it may be. Was it that all in of I'm gonna get healthier? And then the drinking just didn't serve you anymore because you was all in on that. I mean, to me, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I I, I heard him say, and I could just, I felt it right when you were like, you know, I went a week. And then I was like, "Wow, I went yeah. a week." I mean, when you said that, I mean that's that's kind of how it was. I mean, I had a little bit more of a spiral downward than that. Um, but that realization when I had gone a week, you know, okay, and then you went a month. Well, I mean, you know, it's just. It, well, I, I I love your explanation of the whole thing because people always think you've got to crash your car into an oak tree <laughs> and and te- and miss work for five days and go to jail and do all this other stuff mm-hmm. and i mean you, you don't have to do that no you you literally don't have to do that so i mean is that is that pretty much how you see it as you know the way i just explained it, is that pretty much how you see it yeah no exactly to be, you know, I think when I look back, you know, and I look back at, you know, the this the twice in my life when I've I've and this is where I, you know, this this all in type of um, 
trait or mentality or whatever you want to call it, I don't know. But, you know, you know, when I, as I said, you know, I developed some sort of financial problems early on in my 20s. And I knew I, I knew I had an issue then. But the issue was with money and I just kept spending it. Everyone kept giving me money and I just kept borrowing more, so I kept spending more. Mm-hmm. But I knew I knew I was in trouble. But I, I, I was quite apt to keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it to the limit. And you know, and and, and I very nearly cost me. You know, dearly, it very nearly cost me. I literally, you know, if I hadn't met Sharon, I, you know, I don't know where I would have ended up. But we managed to, you know, turn that around and get out. And I think it's the same with the drinking. You know, literally, I pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. You know, to that point, and you know. Yeah, and I was, you know, thank the Lord I was, you know, being able to turn that around as well. Um, but I think that's a, a, a part of, you know, this mentality, this all-in mentality. And I think, you know, it's, I think it can be, a good, it's a good trait to have, but you need to know, you know, you need <laughs> to know and understand it and learn how to control it. And I've not always mm. been able to do that, not until now anyway, you know. I think I'm a lot more comfortable now, a lot more happier now. I'm still an all-in type person. I've got to be honest. If I do something, I still want to be all-in. Right. If I'm going to do it, then I want to do it. Right. To the best well. of my ability, to the best of my capability, and you know, if I'm if I'm going to say I'm going to do something, I'll probably do it every day. Right. I won't just do it once a week because what's the point doing it once a week? I'll do it every day. <laughs> oh my God, that you sounds know. familiar, Joseph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is with you, fanatical people? <laughs> I mean, but but no, I want to. I was thinking when you were talking about, um, you know, you have this toothache and you, and I can remember, you know, being sick and right, you know, the antibiotics don't work if you drink. And sometimes I did. And sometimes I would go a couple of days when I was really, really sick. And, and I just thought to myself, I mean, it's amazing how God can just make things happen, right? In a, in a way that just, I mean, that just pick you up and turn you around. You know, and that's what I thought when you said that. I was like, you had this toothache. I mean, it seems so, and I hate to say minor, but like it's this this little event in this beautiful big life that just turns you around. And only because I know a little bit about you that you didn't um, at that point have a strong faith. Um, And I kind of wanted to know a little bit about that, right? Like for me coming through not drinking and you know all of the things and you everybody knows that joe and i come about this in a different way and and you know power greater than ourselves and our faith and and god can restore us and all these things but not having had that early on i don't know what that would have looked like for me um so i'm interested like before you came to know jesus what was it like for you? Like, was it, you know, was it something else? Did you, did you have a different focus? Was it a different type of faith? And now I'm going to shut up and let you answer that. (laughs) (laughs) I just gave you a lot. I'll just like break it down. (laughs) Well, that's, that's actually a record on her shutting up and letting somebody answer something. Hey, hush. (laughs) Um, yeah, look, um, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a believer, you know, back then. I'm, I'm, my faith is very new to me now. Um, when I look back, I think, yeah, there was all these little signs. I think there was all these little triggers. I think, you know, the Lord was tapping me on the shoulder. He was, 
you know, trying to point me in the right direction. But back then, you know, no, I'm, you know, my, I don't know, to be honest, it's really, it's, it's a difficult question for me to answer. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really look to, to anybody, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was only a part of this sort of like transformation that I've gone through, really, you know, since, since I turned 50 and started losing the weight and then obviously you start training a lot and you start listening to a lot more so you, you know you start you know, starting to hear lots of different things and you know it was actually Rich Roll podcast that got me sort of like you know looking at faith and I think and listening to a guy John Joseph on there and someone you know and some others you know talking about their faith and and, that, and that's really what got that's really what sort of like, sort of sparked you know, sparked my uh, journey, I suppose, with regard mm. to, you know, Jesus. You know, initially I was looking at different types of faith. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I spent, you know, a good couple of years, you know, looking at different types of faith, you know, Harry Krishna and the Bhagavad Gita and that. And then, but I always kept getting drawn back to the Bible. Um, my mum was religious. Um, she was a Jehovah's Witness, but she never, ever, you know, she would always ask us if we wanted to go along to the meetings, but, you know, I never did. And she'd never force it on us and stuff like that. So I never had a religious upbringing either. So it was never, it's never, ever been a part of my life up until now. Wow. Um, so I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known how to, I don't know. That's a really difficult question for me to answer back then. Mm. I don't know what I pulled upon to be quiet. Because mm-hmm. I've always been very insular and, you know, I deal with things my own way. And I yeah, I'm very self-reliant. You know, on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and that's me, and I'm still like that to a certain degree now. You know, even though I think I'm I'm a lot better now than what I was. Mm-hmm. Um, what about your no, father? Faith, you, you said your mother was a Jehovah's Witness. What about? Did he have? Was he like you? No, no faith at all. Yeah, yeah um, no, I don't. Yeah, my father wasn't um, religious, or he isn't religious at all. Really, I don't think. Interesting. No. So, so you know, when you said you started listening to more when you was working out, and do you think that was your interest was spiked because your mind was clear. You wasn't worrying about getting another buzz or thinking about when you was going to get to drink. I mean, or was that just part of your all in? Like, mm. I, because for me, um, in the early part of my sobriety, I was worried. Even in the decision before I prayed to God, you know, to remove this, I was worried what I was going to replace that time with. You know. It had become so much of me. It was like the culture inside me mm-hmm. to drink, you know, at the house or at the barn or, you know, in while I'm out hunting or whatever. It, so, so I worried a lot about what I was going to replace the drink with. Was was that something? Was there any anxiety there that you was searching for something? You know, why you was listening to podcasts or whatever, whatever it was there, did that just come about as well? Like the antibiotic. I mean, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. I'm just amazed. I'm literally sitting here going, more than 50 years of your life, and and God just said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, when I talk about, man, it's yeah. so, incredible. So, so do you think it was that you had a clear mind or... Or did it just come come as part of the process? Well, I think 
I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a bit of everything. To be right. I think you know during that time, obviously, there's you know my life's changing a lot. You know, you know, my, I also lost my brother as well right, during this time as well. My brother was only two years older than me; he was fifty-five, so he died three years ago. So you know, my brother died, and he, you know, and and that one once again, you know that, and. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, very, I wasn't very, very close to my brother, you know, because he'd moved, he'd moved away and he's living his life, you know, down on the coast in Eastbourne, which is, you know, a few hours away from here. And, and I've never had a lot of contact with him over the years, but, you know, I I'd, I'd started to, you know, get some contact with him, you know, during that period, you know, because I'd changed my life around a bit. He was struggling a bit around that time. And, you know, we was, I was trying to support him for, a, you know, a rough time as well. Um, but he ended up, uh, but like I said, he, you know, he passed away. And I think mm. once again, you know, that, I don't know whether that was, you know, a trigger, but it's sort of like, I've got all of these life events going on and I've got all of this information coming in and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, and, and I think this is what's kept drawing me back to the Bible and it just makes you explore it more and it makes you try and understand it more and, and it, it was that whole process and all that going around. And, and I was probably one, you know, during this time, I was probably, you know, the, life was changing for me hugely, but I was really, really very, very confused as well at that time, which is one of the reasons why when John Godino popped up on Instagram with his 40 days of deliverance program, I thought, well, okay, maybe that this, this would be a good opportunity for me to go along and, you know, spend some time with some like-minded people and give me the opportunity to, to try and understand what this is all about right mm. um, and what 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 does it mean you know what does it mean to me you know all, all i knew at that point was you know my life had changed a lot you know i've lost you know my mum and my brother in a relatively short period of time and i kept getting drawn back to the bible i kept getting drawn to to you know to you know, it's a faith, and I didn't, I didn't understand why, to be quite honest. And mm. I, yeah. I still really don't know what that, what that was that drew me there. Um, and like I say, you know, the good Lord put John Godina in front of me in the Forty Days program, um, which we did at the start of this year, it was January the third this year. Mm-hmm. We started that program, and when I started that program, I can honestly say to you now, Gordon, I wasn't a believer when I started. Right. Um, but by the time I finished, I was. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I, th- I think it, it, it's a just a testament that you was listening to the whispers. I mean, you've, I bet you've said it five times, drawn back to the Bible. You just kept getting drawn back, and you, d- you, you went back to it every time, every single time, right? I mean, was there any? It just. I mean, can we talk about how amazing it is that no one had any faith? Uh, I mean, yeah. even Jehovah's Witnesses have their 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 Bible is different. Like the, you right. know, it's not this. I mean. I'm completely amazed by that. Like, it, just, I just don't have words for that. It's yeah. really, it's really, it's, really cool. And I did have a side note about part of that. You posted a video um, a few, I don't know, a few days, a week, whatever I ago. think I know the video you're going to talk about. Yeah. And that, that video, uh, go ahead, you it, go ahead. Yeah, and you were outside of the church. And you were talking oh, yeah. about how you had never been inside the church. And, I mean... I don't have words for how powerful that was and trying to understand, you know, and I didn't even have to try to understand how you felt because you could just feel it just by your 
you know, seeing your face and hearing your words. Um, and now having had all of this other information yeah. that goes with it, you know, you had said something about not, you know, not feeling like you were good enough to go in or should be there. Like, where does that, do you think that comes from, right? Because you've been called, like, like the Bible, we can say, however you want to look at it, like, Jesus is calling you and has been calling you. So, your perception on why you didn't go into the church, like, what is that? What do you think that is? Sorry, 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 you lost me on the question there, sorry. Go ahead. So, so the video for me, I, and I, I don't really think um, the, the question Jesse asked really stuck with me, too, is, uh, sorry, I got a cramp in my leg. <laughs> the, uh, the video she's talking about, the emotions and, and the humbleness that you had in that video actually blew me away. You could have posted that video and had no words, and, and, it, and I just felt exactly what she was talking about. I think what Jesse is saying is when you was talking about you hadn't been into a church before and the church was right there, I think what she's asking is where, do, where does that come from, the, the – uh, confusion about yeah about going in the what, church what holds you back yeah Are, right because yeah. i mean someone it, with no it, faith they're you know they're how do i how do i pronounce or describe this so like my assumption you know someone with no faith there isn't any any thing that keeps you from that because there's no belief in that right so when you have now that you have a newfound faith or belief like what is it that ke that keeps you from, or that kept you, I should say, from entering the church? Right? Is it, is it, and and I and I just by looking at the church in the video, you know, I don't know what kind of church it is, right? Like here we have all kinds of churches and all kinds of things, but um, I don't know if that's similar there. If it's just like the type of people or the way they worship or or the way you perceive it, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think I think you know, with regards to that video, um, I think it's all about this vulnerability, you know, thing. You know, because you know, the, I'm quite. Yeah, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm. You know, with, with the job I do now, you know, it's, you know, I quite happily, you know, walk into a, a, a you know a room full of you know hundred hundred fifty people and give a presentation for a half an hour and you know talk to them about. You know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm comfortable doing that. You know, I, I'm. I, I don't feel vulnerable doing that because I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm. I'm trying to. You know, the, the message I'm giving. You know, I think. I think when I switch that around to my faith, you know, and I think that's sort of like what I was hinting towards. You know, when I was with that. You know, I'm, I, so early on in my faith, and I've got so much that I'm trying to learn, and you know, I. I think it's been so important to put myself in and around like-minded people, mm -hmm. you know, because I've learned so much, you know, but sometimes, you know, I still get, I, I'm just not sure how much, and this probably doesn't sound right, and I'm not, you know, it's not an ego thing, but, you know, I don't know how much I've got to offer when it comes, you know, from a, mm. you know, yeah. from a faith perspective, you know, 
how much you know have I got to offer, and, that, and that's where I feel really, really vulnerable. Mm. And that's where I, that's how I felt on that day. You know, I felt, yeah. you know, I feel vulnerable, and I didn't feel like as if I had. I didn't. I don't know whether it's. I don't know whether it's the right way to say it, but whether I had the right to go, you know, into that church. Wow, absolutely, um, you do. And don't ever let anyone ever tell you you don't have something to offer. It's incredible. Yeah. You you the the through the first forty days and all the way through this one and that that video too. Like I, you you have offered so much and helped me mm-hmm. so much kevin you I, I just can't even believe it just you telling this story <laughs> of s- simply sober i mean mm-hmm. like is mm-hmm. blows my mind a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent i i'm i'm so grateful god put you into my life mm-hmm. period truth and and but but i get the same thing you know when you when people talk of churches it is customary for okay, so I grew up in an old timey foot washing Baptist church here in you know Dallas, Georgia, and the women had to wear long dresses. The men couldn't wear blue jeans. They had to wear slacks and stuff like that. So when the discussions of church even come up, yeah, you've done this too. You, you you'll say you you can wear anything to my church. Mm-hmm. You can wear anything you don't have to worry about it you know what it shouldn't even have to be like that come as you are i mean we shouldn't have to when i see a church so well society has done that yeah so growing up in that i think the same thing Mm -hmm. are those people going to believe or feel the same way that i do well i think there's two different things here too right? right there is a perception of who you are and what you have to offer. And then there's an internalization of mm-hmm. who you are and what you have to offer, right? Is it is it people are looking at me as if I'm not good enough to be here or is it I feel like I don't have enough knowledge or, or you know, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's two total, like to me, it's, it's two things separate which are both lies from the pit of hell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's a shame, and I always say that that there are churches in this country and in other countries that that happens. Um, but just saying, for me, just saying the having the willingness to say this is what I want to learn and to know. We are never finished products. It doesn't matter how mm-hmm. much someone says they know, mm-hmm. thinks they know, preach it. And now, and I'm not saying that. My pastor probably knows a little more about the Bible than I do, um, but but I have information because I listen, right? Like I go to church and I listen, and I do Bible studies and I listen, and I you know I've been a part of different groups, so I listen, and that's kind of where the learning comes from, and God gives us the ability to just open up and receive it if we allow Him. But the simplicity of what you say, I can't even, I can't explain it. Like I, like I'm over here like, what do I have to do? Like, like I have to do this and this and this and this and this and maybe God will notice me and maybe, you know, and you're just like, okay, here I am. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'm blown away. Totally blown away. When I, what's, what's the time difference? So it's almost three o'clock here. What time is it there, Kevin? 
We're five hours ahead, so five, we need to okay. So, so I'll get up in the morning, and when Kevin has shared a video, I'll open the WhatsApp, and so that's one of the first things I see in the morning. Mm-hmm. And like she said, the simplicity you put through, man, it it blows me away. It it is awesome to for that to be part of my um, morning ritual. No kidding. I complicate everything. Yeah. I was just sitting here trying to... I try to make everything everybody else does complicated, too. I'm all like, I wonder what this is going to be like. And it's just so beautiful and simple. Yeah. And and it doesn't have to be complicated. That's right. You know? And you don't have... I mean, and we said this. I think I said this. Or I shared this one time and Brad Lord on Instagram said something about it. It's like... You know, we don't always have to acknowledge that we have a problem to not drink alcohol. We can just decide that we don't want to drink alcohol anymore, you know. And that is confusing to me sometimes because I just don't understand people who just have one or two drinks. But there are people in the world that say this, literally in the world, that this everyday thing that I do is not okay. And it does not serve me. And then to just have your life completely turned around, God was just like, okay. And just so we're clear here, so you guys know, I was Googling 16 pounds, (laughs) 16 stones is 224 pounds, and 11 stones is 154 pounds. Wow. So from 224 pounds to 154 pounds. There you go. I mean, that's That's a lot of weight. That's awesome, Kevin. That's awesome. Well, that well, that brings me, and and we're 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 pressing on time here, so I'm gonna let's close out with this discussion. So we just recorded a podcast. Stop it. <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago that we haven't released yet, so we're going to release this one uh-huh. after the one we previously recorded, and it it was on goals, and it was supposed to be on why people don't do and don't set. <laughs> goals Specific- and it came about why jesse didn't do or set goals yes yeah, specifically why they don't set physical goals and the podcast basically turned into kevin why jesse will not set a physical goal so i've been trying to get her to run a 10k or a 15k with me or do a, you know a slightly strenuous hike now she'll work out she'll She'll work out. She'll do hit workouts. She'll do yoga. She'll walk. She'll do all that. But if you ask her to do anything to push herself, it is a solid, I mean, like a kid slamming their fist and kicking their feet on the ground. <laughs> she ain't going to do it. What? What? What is your perspective on setting goals? Because you, you're, I mean, you, you just. What? Uh, let's just pause right there. And before you answer that, Kevin, I'm going to say. <laughs> Before you ran at all at 16 stones, right, did you go and run a 10K, like, the very first day? The first time I ran, when I first started going to the gym, I I didn't run for quite some time because I never, ever liked running. Right. I was always too big to run. And I'm I'm a short guy as well, short, stocky. I'm not not built for running, really. so, you know, running wasn't at the top of my agenda. When I first started doing a few miles, well, I didn't. The first time I ran on the treadmill, I barely did, you know, a kilometre. 
you know, so li- literally, you know, five minutes on the on the treadmill. Um, but once again, it, it 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 planted a seed, and I think you know, um, yeah, I think you know, listening to the podcast and you know, Rich Roll and all these other people and all these things, and getting into you know, some of the other sort of like reading and books and stuff that you know, I was intrigued by sort of like the, the endurance type events. Hmm. Um, and, and you know what people can do and how they push themselves in the ultra marathon type stuff and I, I thought well, yeah okay we'll I'll try and do some running um, and and yeah initially I just set out to do a 10k I think but I think it, I can't remember how long it took me to do the 10k to be quite honest um, but as as I've said to you before you know I'm all in so we're going to say it took you six that, months <laughs> <laughs> well the only thing I do remember when I, I I literally went from not being able to run a 5k I tried to run a 5k on the treadmill couldn't do it stopped after about 10 minutes um, that was I think I think that was in the early part of the I think that was in November around about November time uh, the following November I ran my first marathon um, wow stop it November. wow and then the following <laughs> you are year, not I helping Kevin first, <laughs> first ultras <laughs> And so yeah, so yeah. Oh. Consistency. That's what? all I say. It's oh. the one word: consistency. What? And you know, that's what I was. I was trying to explain to her that I I believe it would help her stay consistent in working out regular if she would set a goal, and in order to meet that goal, you have to consistently work out to yeah. be able to complete yeah. the goal. And she just won't yeah, have it. No, no, goal driven. Me, without a doubt, I've got a chalkboard. I think I may have posted a picture of my chalkboard, you know, at the early part of this 40 days. Chalkboard in the kitchen, put the goals on there. You know, the two ultras are on there for this year. I've had to readjust because of the knee injury, but, you know, the goals go on the board. If I haven't got a goal on the board, I won't do it. Um, mm. I've got to have a goal. I want to see the chalkboard. Yeah, you're going to have to post the chalkboard. We'll have to post the chalkboard again, but yeah, yeah. There's, there's a go on there. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, of course, yeah, you have to reevaluate sometimes. You know, you know, you get these challenges put in your way, um, and and that's what we've had to do. But no, there's always got to be a goal on the board, and uh, wow. we strive to achieve it. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, age is no barrier for me. I think as I've got older, I've got stronger. You know, I think I see some. Somewhere the other day, a guy at 65 did his first 100 miler. So I'm only 55. I've got plenty of time. Yeah. I am not running 100 miles for none of y'all. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I may slightly commit. And we didn't say, and I was supposed to set the goal by Thursday, and you didn't remind me, and we didn't talk about it. So, well, like, since we're on this podcast with Kevin, we'll throw, I, I'm not, I'm going to agree to a 10K. But there you go. Do you hear yeah. that, Kevin? I, I think I think I think there's a goal there. Yeah, yeah. I think that was an agreement. Yeah. But I'm I not. Do, I'm not doing it in three weeks. No, we can do that <laughs> half marathon in. I'm not doing it, Kevin. <laughs> what did I just say? I said a 10k, and he comes at me with a half marathon. I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, Kevin. Yeah. I appreciate you being on here. I appreciate you sharing your story. Oh, I loved it. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm grateful to the Lord for your friendship. Uh, me and Jesse was actually talking about we was going to look up and see how much plane tickets was to fly over there in the 
to the UK. Jesse's got. Didn't you say your work's got an office yeah. over there? We have an office in London. They got an office in London, and uh, there you go. If he says forty minutes outside of London, right in the countryside, yeah. it'd be great. Where the where the pubs yeah. are on the side of the muddy road. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The Muddy Road Pub. All right, so we're we're talking we're talking about coming to the UK. Uh, yeah. It'll be it'll be a step up to off the elevator international. Yeah, just no saying. joke. Cornbread and Jesse on tour. There, there you go <laughs> on tour. Shoot, yeah. Well, brother, we we appreciate your time. Absolutely. We really do, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you on the the Zoom meeting for the 40 days tomorrow with uh, Mr. Gardena. You got anything else for Kevin? I don't. I'm, I really enjoyed it, and I'm so grateful that you um, agreed to share it with us. Yeah. So thank you. Is there anything you want to end with, Kevin? No, no. I just wanted to say thanks to you guys, and uh, yeah, thanks to you know 40 Days of Deliverance program, and uh, yeah, you guys have you know, changed my life, and I love you all for it. All right, brother. Ditto. We love you. We'll holler at y'all. <laughs>